Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Retrek. I'm Captain Jim, and with me is Admiral Elliot. Hi there. And this time we're still on the road to Picard, and we're going to be finishing out a couple with a couple of episodes from season one before we move on to later seasons in upcoming episodes. And I think we got two reasonable episodes this time. So yeah. But better than last week, I think. But um, <laughs> we'll talk about that as we go through. The first one we're going to look at is The Big Goodbye, which is it's sort of our first real holodeck episode in Next Gen. Yeah, we saw a little bit of the holodeck in... Yeah, in Encounter at Farpoint. And a little bit more in 110011. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've had bits of it here and there, but this is the first sort of... Where they're going on the holodeck holiday. Yeah, and holodeck goes wrong episode, which... Oh, that doesn't happen very often in Star Trek, does it? I was thinking, (laughs) watching this one, like, the lucky that Captain Pike wants serving, because we know that he got rid of the holocommunicators because he knew (laughs) Pike The the holodeck had been been gone. Absolutely gone, because the... Well, this is the first malfunction, but there's... A lot more to come <laughs> over Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager. Voyager. Particularly Voyager. I don't think it works right once on Voyager. No. <laughs> it doesn't seem so. Um, but this is another one I remember from being a kid, and I remember this one being really good fun. So we'll see how it holds up now. First of all, looking at the story then, we get set up straight away what the, the objective is, I suppose, in this, is that... Yeah. They're going to be meeting the Harada, which are this new race. New race, which is, like, these are set up. All through this episode, the Harada's set up that you've got to greet them properly Mm -hmm. and the Federation wants to be allies with them. And we never hear of them ever again. No, we don't. This is the first and last and only time. Yeah. We hear the rather. Yeah, you're right there. It'd have been interesting. Yeah, it'd have been... We don't see them. <laughs> yeah, it'd have been good if we'd have had the Harada in a later episode. Yeah. I, yeah. You'd need the Universal Translator, though, because their language is interesting. But that's the the setup then. Um, but because it's going to take them a while to get there, Picard decides to blow off some steam by going yeah, on the holiday. Yeah, he's just trying to learn this greeting that he's got to do in yeah. the own language. And so he decides he's going to take time out in the holodeck and we get introduced to the character of Dixon Hill. Yeah, now, I was re-watching this and I'm thinking to myself, Picard into Dixon Hill doesn't actually fit with the character. No. We have him, he's into Shakespeare, horse riding, archaeology, he's very um, straight. Yeah. And then suddenly he's into this 1930s um, Pulp Fiction character. Yeah, almost. that's true, actually. It, it really doesn't... And I often wonder, because we only see Dixon Hill mentioned twice more. I think so, yeah. Through all his next gen on the movies. And it's almost like they had an idea... Well, developing Picard's character to flesh it out a bit, and this was one of the ideas. Yeah, and I don't think it works with other other bits of his character development work better. Yeah, so this got forgotten about. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it's still, I don't know. It's still it's memorable, but like you say, it doesn't. 
it doesn't seem to fit with Picard that we know. You, no. you can't imagine him kicking back with a hard-boiled detective novel, no. but evidently he does, and we've just got to go <laughs> with it. So the story within the holodeck is very much is just a hard-boiled thing. We've got a femme fatale who wants yeah. help. She gets killed. The gangsters end up coming into it and everything. Before they go in the holodeck, though, they decide to take... Um, oh, you! What's his name? Whelan. Whelan. Now I have a major problem here. He, he he's invited Whelan along, the mm-hmm. fictions expert. <laughs> so here we have somebody who's decided when he's gone to Starfleet Academy, I am going to specialise in fiction. He must have been so thankful when they built the Galaxy class that could take a good (laughs) compliment of 1,083 that they finally had a place that he could fit. Because I can't imagine him. What else is he doing? What is a fiction expert? I don't see what he's contributing, really. If if, uh, he'd been introduced as the ship's historian, fine. I could see that in his story, but a fiction expert. No, it is bizarre. I mean, you know, like my my academic career was based around looking at fiction and things, and I've not had any offers from the navy to go serve on a a a ship or anything. So yeah, it's an unusual choice, and it does make you wonder what he adds to anything. Yeah, it like he must have been so made up when Picard invited him. He must thought thank right thank fuck I've had 30 years in Starfleet and I'm finally on a mission yeah I've got something to do <laughs> and it's not even really a mission it's the captain just wants to hang out with him for a bit yeah it's it's weird I mean like in Voyager you've got Tom Paris who's in uh, his old movies yeah, and Tom his Paris in Proton and it's, it's not a his, hobby yeah it's not his career yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I couldn't see Kirk having a, a fiction officer on his ship. Yeah. And what I couldn't see Cisco having one stationed on DS9. No, like, I wonder what he does. Like, they meet the Ferengi, and then a couple of weeks later, Whelan goes, I've just written this comic about the Ferengi. It's a spin-off about yeah. what the Ferengi do on the days off. It, yeah, it's... it's a very, very odd position. And it's also... You know, Picard, it's the red shirt syndrome. So it's like, I'm going to take this guy that you've never heard of. Yeah, with a job position that you've never heard of. You wouldn't even imagine on a starship. Yeah, and he's going to come with me. You're like, well, I wonder who's going to get shot this week then. (laughs) We'll see. Um, So, on the holodeck then, as I say, it develops. The woman gets shot, everything. But at the same time, the Harada scan the Enterprise and this causes the holodeck malfunction. malfunction. Um they realise that it's affected I mean we li- we later call it like the holodeck safeties and everything, but yeah. we've not sort of established that language yet. But um because Whelan gets shot, so that's the point they realise yeah. that it's Yeah, the safety protocols uh, are on. Yeah. And then they end up getting cornered by Cyrus Redblock, who's the villain. And I thought he was great. I think he's a really good, yeah, he sort was, of hammy. Yeah, he fits in that. He fits genre. in with that quite well. And then ultimately, Redblock decides to leave the holodeck, and he disappears. Now I thought this was a bit strange that after he's left the holodeck, he had time to be still having a conversation. Yeah. 
Yeah, they've not sort of refined that. Have no. they? I mean, I could see what they were. I can see what they were getting at, and this is the first time they've sort of tried to yeah. say it. Because we've had. I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit more when we talk about like the the wider universe things. But they've been a bit fast and loose with the rules of the holodeck, like. In this episode, the lipstick comes out with Picard. Yeah. And I think there's an earlier episode where someone throws a snowball yeah, and it snowball. comes out. But, then but part of it is that... Part of it is um, force fields and holograms. Part of it is replicated matter. Yeah. So... So you can't explain bits of it as replicated matter. Yeah, that's... that. So the snowball, I have, I don't really have a problem with the snowball. I can say that it's replicated matter, is ice. Yeah. And it's that, got outside. Yeah, yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah. But characters that are created inside, I have a problem with them walking out. Yeah, and they're very emphatic about it later. I mean, that's the whole thing with Moriarty. When, yeah, that he can't when he leave. comes into it. And the yeah. whole thing with the Doctor, he's... Yeah. In Voyager, he's just in the... Where they've got hollow projectors until he gets, until he gets his, his mobile emitter. Yeah. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's something they're going to work on and yeah. develop, but let's go and look at the what we learn about the characters in this one then. So, as we've said, Picard has this thing for hard-boiled fiction that we've yeah. never known about. Yeah, like, well, this is quite, it's still what, about halfway through season one. Yeah. So, I honestly think that there was throwing ideas out. And for trying to develop his character further, and this is yeah. one of the ideas. And they're trying to give the captain something that's a little less serious, I yeah. suppose, to soften his edges yeah. a little bit. And look, he does have fun; he's into this yeah. sort of thing. But I don't. I, I honestly don't think it fits in with Picard. No, it, I, I can't. I could have seen it more with Riker. Yeah, maybe if Riker, Riker was into this. I could. I could. Yeah, no problem there. I yeah. could do that. Well, Riker does. Yeah. It's, the way he acts sometimes, it's like he would fit in this yeah. kind of thing, yeah. I like, though, that the enthusiasm Picard's got about the holodeck. Well, yeah, we're sort of establishing that, what they've got of the holodeck. Like, we've, in, t- in the animated series, I, tr- I take the animated series as canon. Yeah, well, I we're, think it is at the yeah, minute. <laughs> we're changing it. The show, the holodecks, but the holodecks are just environments. There's yeah. no characters... And we had on um, Discovery, like, a very early version of it. Like, they have a firing range, yeah. but it appears that there's no sort of physicality to anything in Discovery. No. It's just projections, and you shoot at them, and they disappear. Yeah. So there's... Yeah, it, it's yeah, an it, evolution Yeah, there's that. a lot of ways explaining how, how impressed he is with... Yeah. And he even has a meeting with his officers and talks about how he Yeah, well, that I thought was really bizarre. Because it's like, the, the scene starts off and it's like, I'm going to tell you all about the holodeck. And you're like, what? Is this a meeting? Yeah. And then he says, well, the purpose of this meeting is to talk about the Harada. And you're like, really? <laughs> that seemed like an afterthought, yeah. really. You know, I can't imagine... That would be like yeah, if that... I went into work and my boss goes, right... You've all got a meeting, half twelve, you get in at half twelve and they go, have you seen my new iPhone? It's fantastic, it does all this. Oh, you, you must have been in some of our meetings that we have to put together. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I suppose though that does show it does happen, yeah. I mean, some of the things we've ended up talking about. But, uh, yeah, it's a little bit bizarre that he does it in that 
Yeah. That way. But I, I, I like yeah, his I think enthusiasm. It, I like his enthusiasm. But again, the meeting, I think, is out of character. The log entries are fine. Yeah. I get, yeah, I get what you mean. Picard had taken more sort of... Um, Once he's off the holodeck and out of front, he'd go back to his... Yeah, he might have a chat with Riker about it. Yeah. And say, you know, oh, this is great. But, yeah, to call a meeting and talk to the whole staff about it does seem a bit odd. He also... While he's on the holodeck, he sort of keeps breaking the immersion of it. Like when he's been interrogated, he goes, "Oh, very good." He's yeah, doing all the right thing, and you know it's not an issue, and it might be something. Well, actually, do, no, but... I can I can see that because he's did not used to holo, holo, yeah. holo novels at this point. Yeah, it, true, and and that how interactive it is. So he's really. In, it's good though that the holodeck characters don't react to it, so they're obviously yeah. programmed that if you say anything that's weird, you know, that pertains to the real world, they they ignore they it. ignore it, like the the hosts in Westworld or something. Yeah. So I like that. Um, they really, I think, play up the sort of attraction between him and Crusher in this episode. Yeah. Like, with during this meeting when he's got the lipstick on him. And she sort of wipes it off his lips, but she takes a sweet time doing it. Yeah. It's a very, very long sort of sensual lipstick yeah. wiping that's going on. And when he first sees her in the holodeck, he's very, yeah, very like, taken with her. Like we obviously, we all know that there's there's obviously an attraction between Picard and Crusher. Yeah. Like we saw that in this second, third episode. Oh yeah, it's, it's so it's something that's that. And it carries on all the way through. Does it? I don't think it ever gets followed up on enough. I don't no. Like to have seen some well, sort I'm of resolution. That, this is another one I'm hoping that there'll be some sort of resolution shown in Picard. Yeah. That they either did get together and married and might be divorced as it showed yeah. in all good things. But it, that there has been a... It's one that felt like a thread that just never really got... Finished. Finished, but I think this is possibly the most overt that we ever yeah. see it. Um, you know, it's it, it seems like very sort of smitten with her in this episode. Yeah. Um, any other sort of character points that you picked out as... Uh, Wesley Crusher. Oh, go on. It's a game that is... The young kid on the ship fixes everything. Because <laughs> he fixes the whole deck prob- problem. But you've got your chief engineer, and Wesley pipes up, oh, I've been reading up yeah. on this. And Riker goes, no, you're acting hence and state your post. And George goes, oh, no, I need him. He's, <laughs> far, he's far better at this than me. And it's all like, what? You're the chief engineer. You're, you've spent years at Starfleet Academy studying all this stuff. And you've got this kid who's read a bit over a, a week yeah. ago who's more of an expert than you it, it's it's sort of like um, in the first Avengers film when uh, they say to Tony Stark like when did you become an expert on gamma radiation so last night yeah but you can believe that of Tony Stark yeah <laughs> but, like I think this is the first season is where is why Wesley the character Wesley Crusher gets such a bad rep. I think so. And it's because he, he fixes everything and he fixes too much. 
Yeah. He's an expert on too many things straight away. Yeah, and he's like he sort of comes up with this plan where he says, Oh, it could wipe out everyone on the holodeck and Yeah, they the could risk all just they called all right all that didn't make uh, sense to me. No. You turn it off so all power finishes, so why did the people vanish? I don't know. It, I, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I don't think again we've we've got the rules nailed for holodecks yeah. yet, but but it, what I was going to say about that is the fact that Riker's like, okay, let Wesley do it. You'd be like, Jordy, what do you think of that? And Or whoever the chief engineer well, is Jord- at this point. Well, Jordy said that I need his help, doesn't he? Yeah, it's... I mean, there is a bit... They do sort of pay a bit of lip service. So you have Councillor Troy saying, oh, you know, his mum's down there, so yeah. why don't you let him help out? But he basically is put in charge of the whole yeah. thing. And everyone's kind of deferring to him, and it's like he's the only one who can understand it. it and so, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I do think it is things like this that really get why you get such a bad rap, yeah. Um Sorry, Will Wheaton, if you're listening. No, ever. Will Wheaton's great. Yeah. I think we have no problem with Will Wheaton, and I think he just take Wesley. I think he knows <laughs> as well that yeah. Uh, what the problem was with Wesley and I think that's part yeah, of Yeah, I don't think is. it's it's nothing to do with his acting. No, it's not. It's the scripts that he's been given. No, I mean, he's a, you know, he's a very good actor, he's Will Wheaton. I mean, you look at stuff like Stand By Me, he's just yeah. fantastic, you know, and it, it must have been like a dream job, this landing in your lap. But, oh, yeah. But yeah, the character of Wesley, I mean, you know, people talk about Michael Burnham being a Mary Sue and everything, but Wesley Crusher is a Mary Sue to yeah. a, a ridiculous extent. Um, so looking at the universe then the things we learn about the Star Trek universe first thing we get told is the holodeck's been upgraded so presumably this is this level of character interaction is is new to the holodeck at this stage and we talked about a little bit minor things do seem to be able to leave the holodeck like the lipstick and snowballs snowballs things like that but we don't think character like characters can't but I think it was very ropey how it was done the yeah. movie I can see what they were trying to do yeah I mean I imagine that it's a case of if it's something that you're physically going to pick up and move and manipulate then it probably does have to replicate it yeah. to some extent um, whereas the characters are just you know force fields and holograms yeah. and whatnot. one of the things I thought was weird though is where they're doing this um, briefing and Picard's talking about what he's experienced and he says, and they had uh, automobiles and they all got automobiles. Yeah. And everyone's really like, really? They? You don't know what an automobile is. I know it's meant to be in the future, but that'd be like if I said to you, oh, there were horses and cats and you were like, well, what, what a horse, horse and cat? Yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it was a bit. Just, it beggars belief a little bit and... I think this is something that Star Trek tried to do an awful lot in the TNG era and maybe a bit less in DS9, a bit less in Voyager, is where they, they sort of almost pretend like the present is that long ago that these characters don't know anything about yeah. it. So there's no such thing as popular culture, all that's gone. And I think, you know, that just isn't realistic. Like... They have this thing, you know, people listen to classical music, but there's never any sort of 20th century yeah. pop music or anything. And Until you get to... Um, until you... There's two 
the latest Star Trek movies with Kirk. Yeah, and I think that makes more sense. Is the will be things yeah. that that have permeated culture and will still exist, and the idea of automobiles. Like, well, even if there's not cars as such, you know, we're moving more to electric cars anyway now, and yeah. You know, the, every science fiction seems to have hover cars of some description. Yeah. But the fact is, though, there is types of transport that exists. And yeah. We know from Nemesis, they've got a, a buggy eventually. Yeah. So, so these things must still, still exist, exist in this future. Yeah. It just seems really odd that we're pretending that they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's an odd one. And then, yeah, the. The character's not leaving the holodeck. It is weird how slowly they slowly fade out. Yeah. And again, we've played sort of fast and loose with this, but I think the way it should be is the way it's shown in Ship in a Bottle where Picard throws a book and it just ceases to exist yeah. as it as it hits the exit. Um So yeah, we're still learning with the holodeck and we're still developing it, but I think it's a a good fun episode. Oh, it's know. a fun episode. There's no doubt it's a fun episode. You get the characters are allowed to relax a little bit. There's a bit of peril involved in it, yeah. but not too much. Well, the, the perils, the peril of the episode isn't it almost downplayed. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the the perils sort of with Cyrus Redblock and stuff. Yeah, the the diplomacy thing. What do you think about the payoff to the diplomacy angle then with Picard doing that thing he does at the end of the episode? I wouldn't like to try and repeat it. No, neither would I. <laughs> like, I would like to know what happened to the last uh, Starfleet ship that got it wrong. Yeah. Because all that's implied is, like, if you've seen the video once, you don't need yeah, to watch it again. Yeah, you don't need again. to see it again. It's too <laughs> horrible. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um... That'd be an interesting one, but yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny. It's a funny sort of yeah. payoff at the end of the episode. I don't mind it. Um, what about highlights from the episode then? Um, to Reiki, you're just a subordinate. We're not talking to you. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, I really like that. Yeah, I think that'll uh, rub Riker up the wrong way. <laughs> I liked the idea that we're seeing Picard as a diplomat now, so that's one of his... Yeah, one of his, his strong points. Strengths. Um, what I don't understand, though, is why didn't they just play him like an audio clip that he can... Learn. He can learn. Mimic. Yeah, because they're doing, oh, you've got to read this, and you've got to... Why have you got to read it? Yeah, you've got to, and it's got all these weird symbols, and the upside-down yeah. means you've got to go... Or something, you yeah. know? It, it, surely you can run it through a computer and it can go this is how it's meant to sound well yeah and then it can just mimic it but um, I liked there's a little cameo from uh, the actor Dick Miller um, he's the guy who sells him the newspapers he also turns up in past tense um, in the DS9 episode he's one of the cops who talks yeah, about yeah. the sanctuary district yeah and he's also in just about every film in the 80s ever. Like, yeah, never a big actor, but no, in everything. He's, he's got little bit parts like he was... He's the guy who sells Arnie the guns in Terminator yeah. 1 who gets shot on it. I think maybe most famous in Gremlins is Mr. Fudderman. Yeah. Um, but he's just one of them actors who you've seen in everything, and I'm glad that he, he puts in a Star Trek appearance yeah. here. Um 
I like the bit where Dr. Crusher's on the holodeck and she's sort of copying the woman who's doing a makeup. Yeah, and, and pulling his skirt up a bit, showing yeah, legs. And I like that. It's it's quite funny and it's it sort of shows the contrast between the women in Star Trek and how they behave yeah. and looking back at this older time kind of thing and then the guy starts hitting on her and everything. <laughs> it's a, a strange one. And Picard smokes in this episode as well. Well, he tries to smoke. Well, he tries to, yeah. We talked about Q smoking on the bit yeah. earlier on. I mean, that's that's a scene they wouldn't even do that now. No, you wouldn't. It, even for the joke of he can't smoke and no. it's awful and it makes him cough. You, you, you don't... It's, it's very, very rare you see something with that has someone smoking in nowadays. I mean, like, It does happen, but... Stranger Things has got a lot of flack for it. Yeah. Because they're showing... You know, it's set in the 80s, and yeah. a lot more people did smoke yeah. in the 80s, but even then it's getting a bit of stick for it. But, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's a funny little thing, but it does make you wonder what is the holodeck doing? Like, has it replicated a cigarette with nicotine Tain and tar and, and yeah. all that stuff, you know? Do you have loads of Starfleet veterans getting emphysema and trying yeah, to sue the inventor yeah. of the holodeck? Or, yeah, it's uh, a straight... I wonder what, what it's doing that's making him cough, but I think it's one of them with the holodeck that you're best off just not asking. It's just... It's magic. Yeah. <laughs> There's a good gag... Uh, where Data, Dr. Chris says we need some light and Data pulls the lamp oh, out. I, I love that scene. Data pulls the lamp, he unplugs it, he's looking at it, Picard sees it, gets the plug, follows, plugs it in and Data thinks he's fixed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good visual joke. I like that bit. And I like Red Block's um, like sidekick. He's Let so me kill him. Yeah, he says, I want to kill him. <laughs> Let's not do this. Can we just kill him now? I thought he was really good fun. And I like the last line where Picard says, step on it. And again, <laughs> we've talked about how it, it doesn't really fit with Picard, but it's a funny... It's a, it fits fits in the episode. Yeah, exactly. Like we say, it's a, good, it's a fun episode. Yeah, it is. Any any lowlights from this episode then? Uh, like we've said already about Wesley being Mary Sue. Yeah. Again, it's there's just there's no need for it. No, I, I've got a couple of really minor ones, but they really wound me up. When Picard's going through the language, um, he says Z as in the letter Z, but I'm like Picard would say Z, sure. Yeah. Because I, mean, I know Picard's meant to be French. But Patrick Stewart's English, and to all intents and purposes, the character is English. Yeah. I know they say he's French, but he's presented as English and he's coded as English. And it just doesn't seem right, Patrick Stewart saying Z. No. It was really weird. Um, and the other one was... Which Marina also is English. Is yes, French. of course, yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, she's from Beta Z with their accent, which I'm not quite sure. Well, it, yeah. It, it diminishes as the series goes on her <laughs> accent, I think. Uh, the other one is, when he first goes to the programme, uh, goes to the holodeck, he, he has to set the date, the location, so he's saying 1930s America, San Francisco, middle of the night, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, Dixon Hill, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, okay. So wouldn't it made more sense to say a Dixon Hill? A Dixon Hill, yeah. Or, you know, what... Could he have gone 
you know, 1930s, America, blah, 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 blah. What programme do you want? Wizard of Oz. And then they put the Wizard of Oz in this yeah. weird thing. Yeah, it just didn't... I mean, yeah. later we don't get that, we get... But, it, again, it's like we're still in early days at Holodex. Yeah. And, like, I think we could also look at... Would he say that? Well, possibly because he's not used to using the Holodex Maybe still at so. this point but himself. It, it's sort of implied that this is how you have to set yeah. it all up. And it doesn't make any sense that if you're running a fictional programme, you would have to input all the things. So could he have said, um, yeah, I want to set it on the Martian colony of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I want to set it in the... 2150. Yeah. Dixon Hill. Dixon Hill. And then he goes in and it's a hard-boiled, you know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I suppose it'd be like them computer games where you can you can mod the skins on them and stuff. So you, yeah. I used to have one for... Remember the original Doom? I had I had Doom, and I had a mod that turned it into The Simpsons, so all the monsters were Simpsons right. characters. Really weird. I suppose it kind of be like that. Yeah. Dixon Hill in the 21st. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It just... Again, like you say, it's this thing of... We've not absolutely nailed down what we're doing with the holodeck yeah, yet so we've got ideas and yeah and it does the holodeck's a really good way to drive stories forward oh, that you can it's do a, a lot of one. different yeah you can even though star trek we can go to any planet or whatever it's good to be able to dive into this yeah and it's always good when we take well it could it could let you do historical dramas in that's, the middle of yeah that's what sci-fi say. series like it's always good when we take Star Trek characters and plonk them in the 20th century you know and yeah. the clash of cultures and the fish out of water thing is always you can always get good value out of that I think so yeah, yeah. I, I like this one I think it's another it is a highlight of season one yeah. for me Again, it's not next gen at its very best, but no, it's not going to. It, again, it's not going to rate in your top ten. But, but it, it's one that shows it's enjoyable. What we can do. It's enjoyable if you haven't watched it for some time. It's worth yeah. It's worth a good it's, watch. It's it, one you can have any one of the few season one episodes that you can rewatch now and yeah. not. There's not any major issues with it. Um, so let's move on then to the next episode. And the next episode we've chosen to look at for Picard is We'll Always Have Paris, which where we get to see an old flame of yeah, Picard. Yeah, it's more fleshing out of Picard. Yeah. So, the first of a few of his ex-girlfriends yeah, we come across. Yeah, we'll come across another one in our next episode. But this one then, looking at the story, they're headed for shore leave. There's some disruption with time. They get a distress call from this Mannheim who's the husband of Picard's old flame. Picard goes onto the holodeck again yeah. to basically relive. Yeah, to go up to Paris to the cafe that he never went to. Yeah. And he rescues Dr. Mannheim and Janice. There's an energy anomaly on the planet. Mannheim, we find out, is kind of been experimenting with time and it's opened up different realities uh, rift, yeah, yeah and the rift through another dimension it's kind of phasing in between them yeah and if that reality spills into ours it'll cause havoc data fixes it all 
and Picard and Janice get a, a proper goodbye at yeah. the end. So, it, I, I think on a story level, it's pretty strong. It, it's not got a bad story, no. No, it's there's there's elements of it, particularly the idea of the other universe and things like that. I don't think we develop. Did it? It don't get developed at all. No, it's it, it's just technobabble, really. And oh, oh, in a big way. But yeah. Star Trek's good at technobabble. Oh, it is. Yeah, I mean the the premise of it reminded me a little bit of that film Event Horizon. You know, the idea yeah. that you can cross into another dimension and yeah. things can go horribly, horribly wrong. I mean, it it doesn't get as nasty as Event Horizon, but no. the the basic premise I thought was interesting. Um, when Picard goes on the holodeck, uh, you know, to, re- as you say, revisit Paris and everything, it's weird that the computer has taken it upon itself to have a woman who's been stood up by someone. Yeah. Because it, he doesn't say, I want that. Yeah, it's... Putting in, but it, it's a bit... Yeah, it's very... Yeah, uh, it's done that. Well, it's circumstantial, in it? It's... Yeah, it... It makes me wonder: Did the computer, well, listen to what Picard was talking about and put something there for him to think about? In which case, that's quite intrusive by yeah. the computer. Or it, you know, if it is just coincidence, it's yeah, it's, uh, it's it is very, it is very strange. I've been trying to think about this and like have to got. The, does someone, does someone go around and find out everything that goes on at every establishment yeah, yeah, every day that, and just in case it goes in a holodeck programme or someone yeah. else look it's or the, does the it, computer just think oh well, people are always getting stood up in yeah, France <laughs> is it a big or is this a big brother thing going on in the 24th so, century yeah. so everything is recorded the computer's hacking into Picard's personal logs yeah, and uh, it just is, to stick the knife it's very really strange that it's gone to the cafe and there's someone that stood up yeah the same situation hmm. mm. weird one so let's dig into then what we learn about Picard in this one so there's a fair bit I think that we can we can look at first of all we find out another hobby he's got so he likes 20th century um, detective pulp fiction, but he also likes fencing. And f- yeah, well, fencing gets looked at qu- again, doesn't it? Quite a bit that is into fencing. Yeah, it, that and, one. And to be fair, fencing, I think I have no problem. I think that quite fits with the character. Oh yeah, it doesn't surprise me that that's something that is. Yeah, into. it feels a better fit than the hard-boiled fiction, yeah. certainly. Um, it's weird though in that scene. Picard does the fencing and then they, they have the time loop, which is very sort of Red Dwarf Future Echoes. That yeah. Bit, which, I wonder which came first. It look, they'll have been very close, actually. But anyway. Um, and then he takes the call, blah, blah, blah. But he just, the guy, he just leaves the guy standing there, doesn't say goodbye, yeah. and he just walks off. <laughs> And presumably this geezer's just stood there. Are we finished? Is he coming back? Well, is the captain. He's been yeah. called to bridge. He's gone. <laughs> that guy's probably like another fiction historian. He's probably swords well, historian. Well, look, it's like Picard beats him and he goes, well, I had to do something. It, was just, it did some move uh, to yeah, beat so him. the technique of a desperate man. Yeah. Yeah. So that guy's obviously quite handy with his, his fencing. But, yeah. So... We Picard 
we get told that he tends to suppress his personal issues. Yeah. In a conversation with Troy. And I like that she wants to talk to him about it in private. But he says, no, 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 we can talk about it here. And so he's not bothered, presumably, about the big bridge crew hearing what Troy thinks about yeah. him. Which is quite sort of brave for a captain, really. Yeah. Like, I won't want someone psychoanalyzing me in front okay. of in front of my subordinates. It a little bit of a weird, a weird one. But I suppose it speaks to how sort of private Picard is that he's like, I'm not going to talk to you about it in private. So yeah, if we're going to have this conversation, we're having it here, kind of thing. And then we find out. Um, he spent some time in Paris, and that was about 22 years ago. Yeah. And he well, sold this woman up, basically. As he'd left Southfleet Academy. Yeah. Well, that's where it fits in, isn't it? Yeah. They expand on this in um, his autobiography. Yeah. Which, for anyone, we've mentioned it a few times. If you um not aware of it, there is a book that's written as though Captain Picard's written an autobiography. And it fills in a lot of these blanks. Yeah. Like it tells you... It tells you more about Janice. Yeah. And how, how he met, met her. And what happened and everything. Um, and that... I like um, the bit where they get to the colony. And he's about to identify himself. And he says, this is the captain of the ship. So he's a little bit wary of yeah. her... He's pro- probably a bit kind of nervous about... Nervous about meeting the woman that he stood Yeah, up. he knows it was wrong of him. Yeah. He knows he shouldn't have done it. And we do see, I think, a more nervous side of Picard around Janice. He's yeah. a lot less self-confident and he's much more in his body language and everything. You can see that he's... He's not got the commanding presence he usually yeah. has when he's around her. Um, he admits to her as well that he was afraid to go and see her. Like, yeah. there's a great scene. She says, why did you leave? And he, he says, I was afraid. And she says, oh, you're going to tell me the truth? <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to lie about it. <laughs> and it it's good that, you know, we're seeing that he's reached a stage of maturity in himself where he can admit to her, you know. Yeah, I... I was a bit of a pillock when yeah, I went young. I was a pillock. Um, I'd left Starfleet Command. If I'd come seen you that day, I might not have taken yeah. a commission. And I, I put my career before you, yeah. and I know that's a shitty thing to do, but... And I'd, I I was also too big a coward to come and tell you. I yeah. was... But he's got the maturity now to say, put his hands yeah. up and say, yep, I did that. This is what I did. And you can... With what we know of Picard already... You can see that it, this is the sort of thing that would play on his mind. If, yeah. You know, I can't believe I was such... Yeah. Yeah, I was that guy back then. And that's something that's in his autobiography a lot. He does reflect he reflects on... on it, oh, I can't believe I was like that at that age. And, yeah, he did. And that, and that affected how I became at this age. And Yeah, he, he's aware of his foibles when he was younger. I mean, you know... I doubt there's anybody who can put their hands up and say I were great when I was younger and have no regrets for anything no. I did. But it's good that we see that in Picard, yeah. that, that he's got that and he can admit to it and he can incorporate it into who he is now. Though, one thing she does say when, when they're sort of bantering and 
coming up with excuses as to why he didn't turn up. She says, it was raining and you couldn't find a cab. But wait a minute, wouldn't the cab be an automobile? So No, it could be a horse and carriage in there, <laughs> And we're okay with horses and carriages. Yeah. So <laughs> it's no wonder he couldn't find one because nobody knows what well, an automobile is. is. Yeah. So, mm, interesting. And yeah, as you say, it it's all about why he was afraid to commit to it. It's basically... He was afraid. She calls him about it and says, "You were afraid that if you stayed with me, you'd have an ordinary life." Yeah, and he admits that, and it, it, that's interesting because none of us like to admit to our own ego. Really, you know, we we don't like. Generally, people don't like to think of themselves as anything special, and yeah. they're destined for great things. But Picard clearly knew. He wasn't destined for an ordinary life. And yeah, he, he, he wanted want to do that. special. He wanted to. Yeah, he, he wanted to have this grander thing and join Starfleet and see where that took him. And and he admits it. You know, yeah, yeah. There, there was a degree of arrogance there, and I mean, to be fair, he's been proved right. He's the captain well, yeah. of the flagship, <laughs> flagship of the Federation, of the, yeah. so he's done. You know, the lad's done all right for himself. But again, to admit that that's. That's why he did it 20 yeah. odd years ago. To admit his mindset back then, you know, a lot of people would go, oh no, well, it was, it was this, and I was. Yeah. I, you know, I was, well, he's very honest. Yeah. He, he, he doesn't. He, know, he knows he was a dick. Yeah. And he's admitting and to he's it. fessing up to yeah. it. But I also get the sense that I think he regrets the fact that he treated her like that but I don't think he regrets the decision no I think he knows the decision was the right yeah. thing oh, to yeah. do oh yeah the decision was right he just he doesn't like what he did that he yeah. didn't have the courage to go tell to her to go and tell her yeah and then there's the bit <clears throat> he basically tells Mannheim that he'll look after her if it all goes wrong and that Depending on how you read that scene, it's a little bit icky. So yeah. you look after my wife while I, you know, if yeah. I don't what? No, she's not. No, she's not your property to give to Picard. You know, <laughs> yeah. There's depending on how you read it. I mean, it, maybe just a thing away. If you just said you'll make sure Janice is taken care of, won't you? Yeah, you know, or something like that. It wouldn't sound that the shades of possessiveness about it that's yes. doesn't sit quite right but you know it it's not a biggie um i like that he send he chooses to just send data on the mission yeah well yeah. we've already seen data can handle the time that's it and data sort of takes this thing of oh it's because i'm disposable and because said, no it's not it it's because you're literally the only Anyone. person who can do it with any chance of succeeding. Yeah, you, you know. can you can anticipate the the time jumps and you can understand where you are in them. Yeah, and it it tells us one. It tells us that Picard puts more value in data, but it also tells us that data doesn't necessarily ascribe that value to himself Yeah, at this stage, or he doesn't believe that others do. I think it's more that he doesn't believe others do. Yeah, and that's something we're going to touch on a lot next week when we get to Measure of a Man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting that the seeds of that are being planted even right back here. And then they have the sort of final moment on the holodeck 
and that I don't I'm not quite sure what the plan was because she turns up and he's got some champagne on ice for her yeah and it's like I get I get the idea it's sort of by way of apology I think it's by I think what he's trying to do there is by way of apology and like the dinner or the meeting that they were going to have and he's got the champagne there they're not going to carry on after this but he's just giving her that yeah, it's a nice sort of think, sense of like, closure. I think, I think you see from both of them that there's genuine affection still towards each other. Yeah, and it's it's a thing of the mature enough as adults where they are now to look back on the relationship and go, yeah, it ended badly, but we had a good time. Yeah. We liked each other a lot. We're different people now. Yeah. It's not a case of we're going to rekindle this romance or anything like yeah. that. We've both moved on. But they've got that degree of um, maturity that they can say, yeah, that was then, this is now, and yeah. let, let's Look. say goodbye the right way this time. It was more the bottle of champagne that I thought was odd. It's like, I feel almost bad for him. So he clearly thought she was going to stick around and have a drink with him, but she <laughs> doesn't, she goes. Yes. So, did Picard just stay on the holodeck and get sozzled after this? <laughs> I'm assuming the champagne is where we're going to... It's replicated matter. Yes. It's, yeah. like the replic- it's, it's, replicated a, it's replicated a bottle of champagne. So, it'll just go back into the replicator. Probably, yeah. Or it's synthahol. Which, I quite... I, mean, I don't know if this is ever stated as canon, but I've read in the books that the way synthahol works is you drink it and you can get drunk on it. But then if you decide you want to be sober, it just goes... Yeah. So, I quite like that. I wish they did that now. So yeah, you, you don't get a hangover. Three in the morning. Right, done. I can sleep properly yeah. now. <laughs> but, yeah, that would be all right. So, yeah, maybe. I feel a little bit bad for him. She didn't stick around for a drink. but And then, this we've talked about sort of knocking off, you know, looking at the softer edges of Picard. I like at the end that he knows the name of this cafe... That they're talking about, or the blue blue oysters, the blue oyster ones, which sounds like that bar that they always end up at in police academy. Yeah, or something. yeah, but yeah, where they go, he knows where they're going, what to order. Yeah, and, and it, it's cool that Picard, sorry, Riker and Troy are sort of talking about it, and Picard's, oh, I know that, and it's saying, and oh, the captain. Yeah, he, he he used to yeah be a bit of a man about town in his youth, you know. And I I quite like that they're seeing that side of him, and it's it's not something we get a terrible amount of really. No, you know the big it, thing in the finale is that he finally joins in. Um, so I like I think that's a nice touch to to Picard. Yeah. yeah, I think it'd be I think it's a bit like Kirk, like you see Kirk and. Always has his free time with the with his bridge officers. Yeah, and I think Picard would be happy with his bridge officers, but maybe not other members of. No, not necessarily. Yeah, he 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 does keep more of a distance, yeah. doesn't he? And you sort of get Picard does all the yeah to compare it to like a modern business. So Picard is kind of the manager and Rikers sort of almost like the HR guy yeah. who interacts with everyone on a much deeper level. Looking at the the Star Trek universe then, 
one thing we find out is Paris is still there. The Eiffel Tower is still yeah, there. That survived the nuclear holocaust of twenty one sixty. Yeah. What was it? Twenty one fifty six. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, it seems to have this massive big tunnel beneath it, though, which I assume is some sort of, you know, probably wouldn't be a railway system, but some sort of transport yeah. system, I would imagine. It's probably connected to Eurotunnel, if we've still got that. And um, we find out Mannheim's working on time and gravity experiments, and we get, I mean... I'm not a scientist, so I don't know how accurate of any of this is. But it, it sounds in line with a lot of concepts we see in sci-fi now about time and um, how speed can affect time and gravity can affect yeah. time and that can tie into multiple universes yeah. and things like that. Well, so. I think that's one of the things... One of Star Trek's strengths has always been that it mimics science fiction fact or fe- science fact yeah. or uh, real strong theory it is yeah. not, it's often what, how you describe the difference between Star Wars and Star Trek is yeah. Star Wars is very much fantasy yeah, so there's no science fiction science principle on a lot of the technology no. using Star Wars Force or anything like that but yeah. there is a lot of scientific principle yeah and theory of what they use in Star Trek. And this one, I think, is... It's fairly ahead of its time. You see these ideas getting explored now, yeah. you know. But for the 80s, it's it's quite advanced stuff. I mean, this is similar sort of stuff to the way they treat time travel in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Know, and that's... And in, you know, in that film, they make a big thing of... Well, this isn't like the films from the 80s and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, quite forward thinking. Um... What were your highlights on this one then? Um, it's a funny one because, like, it's really good for developing Picard's yeah. character, but it's not one of my favourite episodes to sit down and watch. No, I, I agree with that. It's I find it a very slow episode. It is, and it because it they get the distress signal and the heading there, but then you have this bit where Picard goes to the holodeck and yeah. It, it is very much a character piece for yeah. Picard. Yeah, it's it's great for driving Picard's character forward. Yeah. And and I think this is probably one of the best episodes in season one oh, for developing his yeah. character. I mean, I quite like that, that it, it isn't afraid to spend a bit of time just on character yeah. development. No, nothing relevant to the plot, really. And but, it, it's like, almost an afterthought, really, is the whole time distortion thing. Yeah. And, and it's in a way it's sort of at odds this is very much a Picard episode but it's data that sorts it out yeah and it makes sense for data to do so but it feels disjointed because of that I yeah think. it's a it's a really funny episode it's it's one that until we were going to be recorded I haven't watched for, uh, no well actually I say I haven't watched for a long time because I'm watching them chronologically I had to watch it yeah but it isn't one that I'd... It's not one that's that the go, usual oh, sort I of rotation. Watch, I haven't watched this for ages. I must watch it. Yeah. It's one that if I didn't... If I wasn't doing a project like I'm doing or this, I wouldn't have watched it no, again. No, I'd agree with that. I mean, low lights for me was... I don't like... There's a scene with Beverly and Troy talking about Janice. 
and Beverly just comes across as really jealous. Yeah, well, and I it, think this is going back to like the big goodbye where yeah. there is that attraction between Picard and Beverly, and it's something that doesn't get played on enough, or it's downplayed later. It. I think maybe, and I think at this time they're still trying to play on that. I think maybe it is just with hindsight that it feels a bit out of place. Cause yeah, you're thinking right. Well, if you're that into him why doesn't something happen in the next six yeah. years? You know, it, it. they do turn down, certainly the attraction from Crusher's side of it yeah. is played down as we go. Data, when they decide, trying to work out which one is in the present time, he says, it's me, so he uses a contraction. Yeah. Which, again, that's something that they're all over the place oh, with. They're all over the contractions. That was like... It's a silly it, one to put it, in. It is a silly one. Like, it's just... Huge, massively state-of-the-art android. Huge programming power in that. Yeah. And he can't make himself say it's instead of well, it is. You know, I'm, I'm very limited in my computer knowledge, but I could write a macro that would change it is to it's. Yeah. You know, I, I could do that for a document and it would do yeah. it. So, if I can do that... I yeah, would it guess, wouldn't be difficult. I would guess Wesley could do it, if not Geordie even. But, yeah, it, yeah, it's just a silly one and I'm not going to pick up on them all the time no. when he does it, but it it was just the setting up a rod for their own back there. Yeah. And it, it were a silly thing. It is so. it's something that's going to crop up time and time again. I think, yeah, did they do it in Data Law so they, they'd have an easy way of identifying I'd who Identify it. which one was so which. it was a plot point in that episode yeah. that it's like you've now committed to seven years of it and yeah. it ain't going to work. <laughs> but, yeah, overall, I think the slow pace hurt it a bit. Yeah. But it's not bad, it's a good character piece. It is. It's great for building Picard's character, like we say. And in Road to Picard, this is perfect episode for that. Absolutely. So, as we carry on with the Road to Picard, next week we're going to be jumping to season two. Yeah. And we'll look at Measure of a Man, which I think it's fair to say that's the best episode we'll have looked at up to this point from today. Yeah. Measure of the Man's Measure of a Man stands up now, and people look back and the, yeah. it gets rated up there. Time and time again, yeah. amongst the best episodes. So we'll cover that one, and we'll also cover Times Squared, which I don't think is quite as good, but we'll yeah. talk about that next time. Yeah, we could have fun there, taking the mickey out of some things. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get in touch with us, um, drop us a tweet. We're on Twitter at RetrekPod. If you prefer email, RetrekPod at gmail.com. And if you want to have a chat with us on Facebook put Retrek into your search on Facebook and the group should come up and um, I think that just about covers everything yeah, for now. Yeah, I think we've covered season one there Yeah, and as much as we want just to so everyone knows, this isn't all we're going to do with season one, we will look at the other episodes most likely at some point, it's yeah. just we're focused on the road to the minute and going forward we probably won't be just doing like a couple of episodes from seasons. No, we're, we're going to jump a bit more. We're going to jump around. But we're just so. do, looking at his character development quite yeah. a bit at the moment. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back next time with The Measure of a Man and Times Squared. But for now, um, thank you for trekking with us this time. And we'll see you next time on The Retrack. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.